Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the fifth Sunday of Lent. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. By your help we beseech you, Lord our God. May we walk eagerly in that same charity with which, out of love for the world, your Son handed himself over to death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. See, the days are coming. It is the Lord who speaks. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, but not a covenant like the one I made with their ancestors, on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant of mine, so I had to show them who was master. It is a Lord who speaks. No, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel when those days arrive. It is the Lord who speaks. Deep within them I will plant my law, writing it on their hearts. Then I will be their God and they shall be my people. There will be no further need for neighbour to try to teach neighbour, or brother to say to brother, Learn to know the Lord. No, they will all know me. The least no less than the greatest. It is the Lord who speaks, since I will forgive their iniquity and never call their sin to mind. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Create a clean heart in me, O God. Create a clean heart in me, O God. Have mercy on me, God, in your kindness. In your compassion, blot my offence. O wash me more and more from my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. Create a clean heart in me, O God. A pure heart create for me, O God. Put a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, nor deprive me of your Holy Spirit. Create a clean heart in me, O God. Give me again the joy of your help, with a spirit of fervor sustain me, that I may teach transgressors your ways, and sinners may return to you. Create a clean heart in me, O God. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. During his life on earth, Christ offered up prayer and entreaty, aloud and in silent tears to the one who had the power to save him out of death, and he submitted so humbly that his prayer was heard. Although he was son, he learnt to obey through suffering, but having been made perfect, he became for all who obey him the source of eternal salvation. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to you, Word of God, Lord Jesus Christ. If you serve me, follow me, says the Lord, and where I am, my servant will also be. Glory to you, word of God, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. These approached Philip who came from Bethsaida in Galilee, and put this question to him, Sir, we should like to see Jesus. 
Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip together went to tell Jesus. Jesus replied to them, Now has the hour come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you most solemnly, unless a wheat grain falls on the ground and dies, it remains only a single grain. But if it dies, it yields a rich harvest. Anyone who loves his life loses it. Anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it for the eternal life. If a man serves me, he must follow me. Wherever I am, my servant will be there too. If anyone serves me, my father will honour him. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this very reason I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. People standing by who heard this said it was a clap of thunder. Others said it was an angel speaking to him. Jesus answered, It was not for my sake that this voice came, but for yours. Now sentence is being passed on this world. Now the prince of this world is to be overthrown. And when I am lifted up from the earth... I shall draw all men to myself. By these words, he indicated the kind of death he would die. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so um, I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but uh, what the heck. So uh, I was with a group of priests uh, earlier this week, and we were talking about the Gospel for this coming Sunday. And... uh, Commenting on that line, you know, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, one of the priests said, you know, actually, the grain doesn't die at all. Uh, (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I nearly leaned across the table and smacked him in the back of the head. That's not the point that Jesus is making. He's not describing scientifically the way that a seed germinates. That's to completely miss the point. What's Jesus saying here? He's speaking about his coming death. And what is it that brings new life? The fact that the seed falls to the ground and is buried. There's the point. That's how you yield a rich harvest. Now, when you pull back and, and, you know, sort of take a wider view... We hear about these Greeks who go to see Jesus, you know, and they tap Philip on the shoulder first. Philip, um, Philip's a Greek name. um, So obviously Philip's got Greek blood in him. He's got a Greek heritage. And Philip then goes to Andrew, Andrew, who's, you know, one of the big shots. He's Simon Peter's brother and and one of the inner circle, I suppose. And, And the two of them go to Jesus and say, hey, some Greeks want to talk to you. And what's interesting is that, you know, That invitation suddenly causes Jesus to declare that now the hour has come. Up until that point, he's been talking about his hour has not yet come or the hour is coming. You know, remember the wedding feast at Cana when, you know, Mary turns to Jesus and says they have no wine. He says, woman, what concern is this of mine? You know, my hour has not yet come. But now all of a sudden these Greeks turn up. And Jesus responds to their presence by saying, now the hour has come. Well, we can now see the way in which his mission has expanded. 
When the Son of Man is lifted up from the earth, he will draw all men to himself. And now we see these Greeks turning up and wanting to seek out Jesus. The hour has indeed come, because now the world is coming to him. The Gentiles are the one reaching out to find him. And so we can see the beginning of this fruitfulness that a rich harvest is indeed on the cusp. But how is this harvest to come about? By the seed falling to the ground and being buried. Whether it dies or not, I'll leave that to the scientists to determine. (laughs) But Jesus is already pointing to the reality of his death as being fruitful. The burial of this one grain will lead to an explosion of new life, a rich harvest. And the fact that these Greeks are searching out Jesus is already a sign that the hour has come for this grain of wheat to fall to the ground and to die and to be buried. So next week... We've got Passion Sunday, right? Palm Sunday. And we're going to hear the Passion according to the Gospel of Mark. But I think the Gospel that we have on the fifth Sunday of Lent serves as a bit of an interpretative key. Yeah, there are going to be a whole bunch of things that happen to Jesus. But he is accomplishing something. He is the grain that falls to the ground and dies. His death is not destruction, in fact, quite the opposite. His death is fruitful. It yields a harvest. And so we will come to listen to the Passion, not simply feeling sorry for Jesus and thinking, gee, wow, he's had a really bad day, but instead to look beyond the external facts of his suffering and death, to look beyond what is done to him, to, with the eyes of faith, discover what he is doing in this moment. In a supreme act of love, he allows himself to be thrown to the ground and buried, so that he might be the seed that yields a harvest, a harvest that brings eternal life. So I think that's point one. The gospel today gives us a key to unlock the passion, so that we can see beyond the external facts, that we may find true gratitude in the passion of Jesus and not just a kind of shallow pity or compassion. I can feel sad at what Jesus suffers, but far more than that, I feel gratitude. Indeed, the Father himself declares in this very moment that in this, Jesus is glorified. So point number two, then, Jesus indicates that his path is one of sacrificial love, laying down his life, being the wheat grain that falls to the ground and dies in order to yield a rich harvest. But that's not where it ends. He goes on, if a man serves me, he must follow me. Wherever I am, my servant will be there too. It's a little bit arresting when you stop and think of where Jesus is buried as a grain of wheat waiting to germinate. It's kind of frightening when you stop and think about it. 
that Jesus is saying, right, you know, you want to be a follower of mine? You've got to be where I am. And then we get this rather strange and cryptic line. Anyone who loves his life loses it. Anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it for the eternal life. Okay, so first off, that word hate. Um, you know, it's not talking about a kind of interior loathing that Jesus is expecting us to have. I suppose we can all kind of recognize that psychological state where um, people reach that point where they say, you know what, I hate my life. Like, <laughs> that's not what Jesus is promoting here. Um, in fact, in the Old Testament, um, the word hate kind of comes to describe uh, the reality of separating oneself from someone or something. Um, like the word hate was used to um, describe divorce, for example. But, you know, if you kind of look at it in context, Jesus is speaking somewhat about um, detachment. Can we be detached from the things of life and, and finally even life itself? Or is it something to which we cling to at all costs? We can see that the Lord is not the one who clings to his life at any cost. In fact, he lays down his life for his friends. He becomes the grain of wheat that is thrown to the ground and buried. Now, I suppose it kind of asks a question. Well, what's the point of a seed? What's the point of the grain of wheat? Surely its whole purpose is found in being buried and growing into something that yields a rich harvest. Surely that's the meaning of a seed. Surely that's what it's for. Surely that's how it fulfills its purpose. Surely that's how it finds its meaning in existence. Well, Jesus says that, you know, if you cling to your life, then you lose it. And I suppose, you know, drawing the analogy a little bit further, if a seed insisted on remaining a seed, if it clung to its identity as a seed, it remains what? A single grain. And fine, you know, we might kind of shrug our shoulders and go, oh, well, whatever makes you happy. If you want to be a single grain, be a single grain. But it'll have missed its purpose. It'll have missed what its life is, in fact, for. I mean, this might be a stupid way of putting it, but, you know, does such a seed actually lead a happy life in being a solitary seed? Never having been buried? Never having become fruitful? Surely that's a seed whose life ultimately is frustrated because it's built for more. It's built to make a gift of itself and so become a rich harvest. Well, I suppose it's much the same with us. If we cling to our lives as the most precious thing that we have and, and that which needs to be fostered and sustained at any cost, well, we remain that single grain. So what does it mean then to be thrown to the ground, to be buried? Well, we see quite clearly in the life of Jesus that it means entering into his passion. And when we look at it from the outside, we just see suffering and pain, humiliation, misery. And yet, 
What is revealed here by Christ is that this is, in fact, his glorification. In being the seed that is thrown to the ground and buried, this is him accomplishing his purpose. This is him taking up meaning and responsibility. This is him yielding a rich harvest. And because of this triumph of his love, he is glorified by the Father. Now, that's got to be us. But I wonder if sometimes, you know, we, we kind of look at the reality of suffering and, and experience fear and think, oh, well, look, if I'm a seed and I lose myself, if I'm thrown to the ground and die, then I die. Well, the witness of Christ is exactly the opposite. That when he throws himself to the ground and dies, that this is in fact the accomplishing of his very purpose in life. At the end, this is the deepest reality of love. And this is the answer to the longing of the human heart. The fact is, we're all a grain of wheat. And we find our purpose in life only by being thrown to the ground and by being buried. Only by no longer clinging to our lives as seeds, but instead allowing ourselves to be given away in love so that we may yield a rich harvest. If we cling to our lives, then we are its highest value. I'm the most important thing in my life and therefore self-preservation becomes the highest goal for me. And Jesus says, well, you know what? You lose your life because you become a frustrated seed. One that has never germinated, one that is completely locked in itself. It's only when we throw ourselves to the ground and allow ourselves to be buried, broken open and allowed to germinate that our lives truly become fruitful, a rich harvest, something truly meaningful because we have accomplished the purpose for which we were made. No longer a barren, frustrated little seed. Just like it was for Christ, this is the path to joy and this is the path to glory. The picture of Christ's self-sacrificial love will indeed draw all people to himself because there we discover the full meaning of our lives. I've been made for this kind of love. A seed that finds its ultimate meaning outside of itself and not locked in its own self-preservation. So I'll leave you with a rather kind of probing question. What is it? in our hearts that finally needs to be buried? What is it that's holding us back from truly germinating and becoming a rich harvest? To what do I cling in the hope that it is finally the ultimate purpose of my life? With Palm Sunday coming up, maybe we should ask the Lord, firstly for the light to see that which still holds me captive here on earth and then for the grace and courage to take that and to nail it to his cross so that I too may be buried with him and become a rich harvest through sacrificial love. Thanks for praying with us and may God bless you abundantly so that this day may give glory to God the Father.